Today on What the Church. Can you guys tell me a little bit, are there any big misconceptions of Orlando that you found since you moved down here? You know, I think the only thing that's changed for me coming back is uh, one of the other fellows told me that Gringos Locos queso tastes like Alfredo sauce. Mm. And so, the, oh, don't do that to me. I know, me. and now I can't eat it. I, I really can't <laughs> eat it anymore. I loved it before I came, but then coming back uh, after after college, I'm, I'm like, having a crisis. Everything is different now. <laughs> everything oh. has changed. Sorry about that. Oh, that should have come. Wow. wow, we need a disclaimer at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> For all the Gringos Locos Queso lovers out there. Welcome to What the Church, a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Orlando. I'm Cameron Hughes, and this is episode five of our Ordinary series. Today, we'll be talking about spiritual practice and how to be sensitive to where the Holy Spirit's leading us in our life. Um, This Sunday, we heard from David about um, how God shows up in our ordinary, not in the way that we usually expect him to in the big, giant moments and life-altering moments, but uh, more so in the day-to-day, in the making the bed, in the the days where we're just making a sandwich for our son or um, just the average moments of life. So today I am joined by Alexa Rossi. Hi, everyone. Hannah Buckley. Hello. And Wes Harper. Hey there. Hannah and Wes are part of the Orlando Heart of the City Fellows Program. And Fellows is a program that we have here at the church for recent college grads. Uh, It helps them to explore how to apply faith principles to their day-to-day life, to work, to family, to relationship. Um, So I'm really excited to have them in the booth here with us today. We'll be talking about spiritual practices and talking about how to be sensitive to where the Holy Spirit's leading us in our our lives. And Wes and Hannah, you've spent a few months here in Orlando now exploring that in depth. So really excited to get your input on that. Um, To start... Can you tell me what a normal 15 minutes looks like at the start of your day? You want to take that first, Wes? Yes, I'll go. (laughs) Yeah, my uh, first 15 minutes, we're going to talk (laughs) post-snooze. How many many snoozes? Be honest. I'm typically a two-snooze kind of guy, but I, I, you know, if you scroll on my alarm app, I've got like... got like way too many alarms set. So it typically is about uh, 10 minutes to wake up. And then my first 15 minutes uh, are uh, the old uh, hygiene. (laughs) 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 I, I, you know, take a shower, brush my teeth. But then once I worship music as I'm showering, that's kind of my go-to with my, with my speaker. (laughs) And and then uh, my first 15 minutes is almost always the I get in the word depending on where I'm reading for about 10 minutes and then I'm in prayer, uh, for five to 10. So that's, that's my 20 minute morning ritual. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well done. I have two scenarios. Scenario (laughs) a is I am rushing out the door and I just get what I need to get done. You know, we all have those days, but, um, if I wake up with enough time, I start with just saying, Hey God, Uh, I've learned that it's the simple things of just acknowledging his presence. But um, then after that, I'm currently reading a devotion book called My Heart Cries Out, which is gospel meditations for everyday life. Um, It's by Paul David Tripp. It's really great. And that just helps me kind of center in and um, it's just simple gospel devotions every morning. And then I'll read the verse of the day on the Bible app. And typically that'll get me into um, more scripture and 
I'm not in a book of the Bible right now, but sometimes if I am, I'll, you know, keep reading in whatever book that is. Um, but pretty simple, just acknowledging his presence and starting with something that is true. Um, that'll kind of guide my day. I like Hannah's A and B because that's definitely life for me. Some days it's I'm up, I'm ready, I'm reading, I'm spending some time in solitude. And most days it's a 19-month-old slapping me in the face and dog panting and feeding three mouths and then hoping to have coffee in me enough to function. So (laughs) another important question that we debated in our uh, pre-production meeting a couple of days ago are you a put the toothpaste on the toothbrush and then wet the toothbrush person or do you wet the toothbrush and then put on the toothpaste or are you some kind of weirdo like Donovan, our producer who just goes in dry? No, it's too pasty. You definitely wet the brush first and then put the toothpaste on because if you put the toothpaste on first and then wet it, sometimes you lose the toothpaste Uh, in the sink. Yeah. I wet my, my toothbrush before and then after I put the toothpaste on. Oh, it, twice. And double. I wet my mouth. Double. Wa- too. <laughs> double <winter. laughs> you, you, They're you're lying. I don't. Lather. I'm being. I'm, I'm being 100. percent A lot yeah. of water. That's that's who I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna wet the toothbrush first and then toothpaste. That's really? Why. I'm Are on you, my own. Okay, y'all must. There must be something weird going up in the what Midwest. Oh, Do you both hail from, would you consider well, yourselves? Well, yeah, when you grow up in Wisconsin, the toothpaste is always frozen, so you have to thaw it out <laughs> first. <laughs> the one that freaks me out is people who use hot water on their toothbrush. Oh. That's me. I can't. Wow. Yeah, I'm a hot water guy. <laughs> wow. Hot water and mint. It's like tea. <laughs> You're not going to think about that the same way ever again. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so. Hannah and Wes, give me a little bit of background. Where are you from? How did you end up here in Orlando? Tell me about your fellow's experience. What's your internship? Yeah. Give me the stats. So my name is Hannah Grace Buckley. I'm from Richmond, Virginia. I graduated from Virginia Commonwealth University. I studied urban planning and policy. And I'm interning at Samaritan Village, which is a nonprofit here. And the fellow's experience has been... Really rich. I would say the first semester I was trying to just get my bearings and figure out what does life look like here in a new city, at a new church, in a new family, um, at a new job. And so it was kind of a struggle, to be honest. Um, Really had a hard time getting like a morning quiet time routine going and then was Mm -hmm. fighting the guilty feelings of I'm not putting God first and So I had a hard time working through that, but I've definitely learned a lot about grace and about, like I said earlier, just like the little moments of acknowledging God and maybe even just like worshiping in the car on my drive. There's a lot of driving done in Orlando. Um, But another really rich part has been just learning how to do life with other believers. Um, Wasn't something that I was super strong in just like keeping up with people and asking how their doctor's appointment was or Um, just the like regular good friend type thing. So I've been learning a lot about that. And I think, um, even just like our Monday night dinners have been a really awesome addition to my week. And I hope to carry that out after fellows. Yeah, this is, this is Wes. I, um, grew up in Orlando, Florida, was, uh, spent the first 18 years of my life here, then went to school at Baylor University in Central Texas, 
graduated there last December, and then was back in Orlando um, for a three-on-three basketball tournament Excellent. called Milky Madness. It's coming up March 7th, and uh, uh, Tanner Fox was there and encouraged me to think about fellows, um, especially after I shared with him my experience at this accounting firm um, and how I spent the first 21 years of my life um, looking forward to work and being a um, Christian leader in the workplace and being a blessing to my coworkers um, and being salt and light and didn't have that experience at all mm-hmm. in those first couple months there. felt really dry, felt like I wasn't um, glorifying Jesus with my work, felt mm-hmm. that I wasn't glorifying Jesus in my relationships with my coworkers. Mm-hmm. So coming back to Orlando, as Tanner shared, that there's a program here at First Pres called the Fellows Program that helps uh, recent college graduates learn how to incorporate their faith and work. I was, was pretty excited for uh, about that opportunity. And so as Brett Allen pursued me in that, I was pretty quick to say, bring it on. So so I'm here, I'm working for Mike Zismer at Raymond James. And so um, have uh, had a great five months of learning what it looks like to be a um, Christian business leader and spend uh, a lot of time with people who hold similar values to me. But one of the things I've realized in the fall um, the, is that my time oftentimes indicates where my where I'm placing my value and how I'm spending my time does that. And so coming back to Orlando where I have a lot of family and friends from high school, in addition to 11 other fellows who are doing this program, I've recognized the need to uh, prioritize my time and have felt that um, without kind of strategic planning and actually um, thinking thoughtfully about how I'm spending my time and investing it in relationships and investing it in my relationship with Jesus and investing it in other um, areas like, uh, you know, going to play pickup basketball or something along those lines, I, I realize where my time is there my heart will be also and if i'm not strategic about how i allocate my time Mm. then uh, my heart can start to drift so i love that um both of you and talking about what day-to-day looks like started to talk a little bit about how we implement spiritual practice and sensitivity to um where God's leading us in those day-to-day moments. And uh, really that's what we want to dig into today is talking about how uh, to be sensitive in those moments. Obviously you've had uh, since September to really start to put practices in place for that. So I would love to get a little bit of input from you guys on what you've seen as uh, successful steps in being sensitive to what the Holy Spirit wants from you in your day-to-day, or uh, if any of you have examples of um, just places that God surprised you as you've been more sensitive to what he wants you to do. Yeah, that's a great question. I think one way that I've... uh been able to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit is with the spiritual practice that I was taught in college through my college ministry uh, back in Waco that uh, parallels one of the practices we've engaged in uh, in the Fellows Program. In the Fellows Program, it's called the Prayer of Examine and Discernment. Mm-hmm. In my college ministry experience, uh, not a reformed church. It was called tending your heart. Um, and so in the, the tending your heart practice is all about recognizing, um, emotional volatility. And so if I'm feeling really high or really low asking the Holy spirit, um, what am I feeling? Okay. I'm feeling really sad. Okay. Lord, why am I feeling sad? 
oh, because of your interaction with this person. You know, so um, asking, why do you feel this way? And then, Lord, what do you want to replace this feeling with? Hmm. And so oftentimes if it's um, sadness, he'll want to take that that sadness and um, replace it with um, a, you know, a feeling of repentance and then, and then lead to joy or reconciliation. Um, and so um, I'm not at all um, very skilled at – uh, you know, in my emotional intelligence, sometimes struggle to recognize when I'm feeling high or when I'm feeling low. Um, but I've felt the Lord always draw me in and saying, I want you to know why you're feeling what you're feeling. And um, I want you to be sensitive to that. So that's that's one practice that I try to implement. Um, and, you know, maybe happens two do or you, three. Wes, oh, do you feel like, um, are there any specific mo- emotions that keep tripping you up that you have to find because I know like there are specific emotions that I struggle with feeling and like it's like how do you continue to apply truth in those situations like maybe you can give us an example of like I struggle with this emotion maybe it's frustration or uh, impatience isn't really an emotion but impatience leads to frustration Um, where do you turn to scripture or to truth to kind of apply yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, one that comes to mind would be uh, impatience, like like absolutely. And you know, Hannah, having interacted with me for the last <laughs> however many months, I can I, can, yeah, she she can totally affirm that that's that's something. Like I I, I can be quick to uh, condemn or to judge others, and um, and so I yeah, you have to. And I'm not great at this either, but um, there's kind of verses that I fall back on and I call them my fighting verses. Mm, cool. And so for impatience, it's uh, Psalm 4610, be still mm. and know that I'm God. And when I'm still and recognize that God is God and I am not God, then that's mm. that's kind of when I f- start to find incremental freedom yeah. from that. Mm. That Yeah, that's a great question though. And so um, those fighting verses are things that I can fall back on and um, hope to find some measure of freedom. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways I'm different from Wes in that (laughs) I really, I think I always kind of know what I'm feeling and can easily connect, but that's a problem for me because then I'm so internally focused all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, so I have to find ways to get out of that. Mm. Um, And so for me, I don't know if this even really has a name or anything, but it's kind of just the idea of bringing awareness to every moment. And so I kind of learned how to do this in college too, where um, if God is in every moment, we just have to become aware of his presence. Mm -hmm. And so um, if I stop what I'm doing, whether that's like talking with someone or at work or whatever, I just go, how long has it been since I recognize that like God is here? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it just takes me like a couple seconds to do that. And I feel like, okay, I'm grounded again. But Mm -hmm. other times, you know, if I'm doing something that's like really stressful or if I feel a lot of pressure, then it takes me five minutes and I have to read scripture. And, you know, I, um, I have to pray through things that are going on in my mind. But I think a huge thing for me has just been becoming aware of his presence. And, um, you can use that too. in when you're in conversation with someone, you just ask yourself, God, like, what do you have for me here? Um, 
what are you speaking to me through this person? Or maybe you're listening to a podcast or um, a sermon, or maybe it's a song. And I think just remembering that he wants to speak to us always and through all things. And it's, it could be just as simple as asking him, like, what do you have for me here? That's good. That's really cool. What I hear is that reflection is an incredibly important part of understanding where God's leading us on a momentary basis, taking a second just to stop and say, okay, God, I'm feeling this emotion. You created me to feel these emotions. Why do I feel it? Where do you want to lead me? Um, and taking those captive rather than letting them run is um, just such an influential part of uh, understanding what the Holy Spirit wants. Mm-hmm. Related to that, what I found is I'm seeing more of the connectedness of all things in life. Like as I am doing these spiritual practices and growing closer to the Lord, I'm seeing, whoa, like it's not just about what's happening in me personally. It's like, look at the world and like, look, look what he's doing just at first pres or look what he's doing in capital C church, like in the world. And it's all connected. And it's just so sweet that the closer you get to him, the more he's doing work in you, but then you're seeing it happen around you and the greater church. Yeah, like he continues to open your eyes. And if you have eyes to see, like it, it all comes to life. Yeah, yeah it's really cool. Wes, you're from Orlando originally, but coming back post-college as an, an adult maybe for the first time and Hannah having moved down. Are there any big misconceptions of Orlando that you found since you moved down here? <laughs> I thought Orlando was Disney World. Just Disney. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Um, it was funny because I came here um, last March just to visit the church and meet Brett and see what I was getting myself into. And I really didn't see much of Orlando. And so I just saw downtown and I was like, oh, it's like, it's kind of quaint, actually, like really cute. And then I got here and I was like, what is this traffic? What is I-4 and 408? <laughs> um, so there's just a lot more to Orlando than I think. I knew. And I would say the best part about Orlando for me and my experience here would be this church. Um, I didn't know that First Pres had such influence in the city and even just such a great location to reach the city. Um, And so I haven't seen anything like it before and I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, grew up in South Orlando and I'm now living in North Orlando, which is, uh, definitely, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I kind of, my perception growing up was that, uh, us South Orlando people, we don't talk to the North Orlando. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> I, I, you know, I coming back at, you know, I think the only thing that's changed for me coming back is, uh, one of the other fellows told me that gringos locos queso tastes like Alfredo sauce. Mm. And so true. That, oh, don't do that to me. I know. Me. <laughs> now I can't eat it. I, I really can't eat it anymore. I loved it before I came, but then coming back uh, after after college, I'm I'm like, having a crisis. Everything is different now. <laughs> everything no. has changed. Sorry about that. Oh, that should have come. Wow. wow, we need a disclaimer at the beginning of this podcast from all the Gringos Locos queso Spoiler. lovers out there. Man. So as you guys have spent a couple of months digging into spiritual practice and getting to try new things, whether it's scripture reading, prayer, um, the uh, prayer of examine where you go through your day and think about the emotions, do you guys have any advice for our listeners who are sitting there going, I've never done anything like this. I'm not sure where to start. Um, Any pitfalls you might think of or opportunities uh, that would help us 
um, encourage those who want to try out spiritual practices. I was talking to a friend yesterday about uh, New Year's resolutions and like Mm -hmm. specifically pertaining to dieting Hmm. and like how, you know, if you want to go completely Mm plant-based, for example, uh, maybe the best place to start isn't by going seven days a week without eating any uh, animal-based products, Mm -hmm. but instead to um, set measurable goals of like, okay, on on the weekend, I'm going to I'm going to allow myself to eat meat, you know, and uh, I I think that can also be applied to spiritual practices of um, not thinking that you're going to be able to jump in and be uh, 100 percent effective and 100 percent just being able to replicate this every every single day. Um, You know, like I I maybe do that tending my heart exercise uh, like two or three times a week at at the most. And it's like a five minute, super Mm -hmm. like low, low commitment thing, but setting, setting goals and saying, I'm going to give myself grace to fail, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to try to um, pursue the Lord in this capacity. Mm -hmm. For me, when I really started trying to discipline my faith walk, I bought a journal Mm -hmm. and I bought a devotional book and I had my Bible And I would read the devotion for that day. And typically it has a scripture for you to read too. And then I would just journal whatever was on my heart. And it might've been related to what I just read, or it might not have been, but it was just um, learning how to bring God into my day to day. And I would say the pitfall, at least for me, but it's probably pretty common is it can become kind of this legalistic, like overly religious practice where you feel like if I don't do this, then God doesn't love me or Mm -hmm. um, I didn't do good enough today. And I think it's super important to speak truth to that, that God loves us no matter what we do. And that the reason why we do spiritual practices is just because we want to draw closer to him. And, Mm -hmm. and those are some ways that we can do it. And so um, I, a lot of times have to reground myself and read scripture that tells me that God loves me unconditionally because it is really easy once you've started to feel like I have to do this. Um, but yeah, I would say buy a devotional, buy a journal and um, just start writing because God um, delights when we do things like that. So Hannah and Wes, I have been a part of the Gotham Fellowship for almost as long as y'all have been in our fellows program. And I've found that discussing spiritual practices and things, uh, our tendency is to think about doing them as individuals. But I have found being a part of the cohort that I'm in, that these practices are sticking differently and in deeper ways because I'm practicing them in community. How have y'all experienced as fellows when you do spiritual practices together in community? Um, how has that shaped that experience and differently than doing it by yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I think the uh, uh, kind of microcosm of that situation that comes to mind would be when we're doing solitude. Um, solitude together. <laughs> no, when we had to Canterbury Retreat Center and spend a, a half day in solitude all around the campus, and then come back together after that time and share what the Holy Spirit did in each and every one of us, it really, I think, stirs each of our our, our faiths. Like we're in different ways. We see, oh man, God spoke that to you. I fell asleep for two hours, you know, like (laughs) I I should maybe, you know, we just see the Lord working in different ways and it uh, provides accountability and um, stirs us to to more. Yeah. Yes. I love that. I was going to say it serves as encouragement 
So like when we would go to Canterbury Retreat Center and we'd all come together at the end and say, this was my experience. It just is an encouragement that, wow, God spoke to each of us and in different ways, probably Um, he's so good. Like he knows what's going on in each of our lives and what each of us needed to hear. And then also the accountability piece is huge because um, if I don't have other people that know that I'm working through this spiritual practice thing, then I can easily just say, I'm not going to do it. And it's important to have people who are spurring you on and asking you how it's going. And even to, for me to say, Hey, I'm really struggling with this particular emotion, or I'm really struggling with feeling guilty about falling off the wagon and to have people to say like, Hey, it's okay. Or, Hey, can I pray for you? Um, is huge. Yeah, that's great. If you're interested in exploring the topic of solitude a little bit more next week, we have Brett Allen coming in to talk uh, in depth about how to practice solitude. So uh, I know Brett is your director for fellows, so you guys get to spend a lot of time with him and learn from him. I'm excited to hear from him next week on um, how we can exercise that well in our lives too. So, well, thanks guys for coming in today. It's uh, really been a pleasure to sit and talk with you guys about um, where you see God working in your life. We're excited to have you here in our community for as long as we have you and really uh, wish you all the best as you continue your internship and head into wherever God's leading you next. So thanks for coming in. Thanks Thanks for for having having us. us. It was fun. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure you go ahead and subscribe. We'll see you next week. Now go out and live truth.